This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. A midweek version of Pot of Gold from the WNDU Studios, your home for countdown to kickoff. He is Mike Berardino, I am Tom Noy, and we are talking all things Notre Dame football leading up to the big, big, big home game against Central Michigan. Driving over here, Mike, did you feel the excitement? Did you feel the energy of t- around town of the Chippewas coming to Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad it's a you lot. did. It's a lot like uh, when Tennessee State came in, except no band, uh, or at least no no award-winning, Grammy-winning band. Uh, I'm sure they have a fine band at Central Michigan. Yeah, um, Jim McElwain, say no more. Say no more. We will talk maybe a little Central Michigan later on. We'll have we'll, uh, we'll have in about 20, 25 minutes or so, we'll have our pod get, podcast guest from the Columbus Dispatch, Rob Oliver. We're, talking, we're going right to Ohio State. This is how we count at Pot of Gold. One, two, three, five. <laughs> we forget number four. We're not even going to talk that much about Central Michigan. We're Twelve right guaranteed opportunities. Uh, in our eyes, it's only 11, Marcus. I know Marcus talks a lot about those 12 guaranteed opportunities, but this is not a guaranteed opportunity to talk much about Central Michigan. <laughs> we'll recap a little of North Carolina State. We'll get involved with Ohio State, and maybe at the end of the program, if there's time, we'll talk a little Central Michigan, and offer our predictions. But, hey, guess what? It's a Wednesday in South Bend, and according to my weather uh, data here on my laptop, it's raining outside. I'm tired of rain and Mike Berardino being used in the same sentence because Mike and I had to sit through the hour and 46-minute rain delay in Raleigh. We got out of our rental car at Carter-Finley Stadium, almost got struck by lightning, I don't know. I, I think really, that's that's really, over, like overstated. To, I, I like to I like to embellish that a little bit. Got out of the got out of the rental car to prepare to go to the stadium. Big lightning bolt hits right there. Big clap of thunder. We go back in our rental car and just proceed to sit there for the next twenty five minutes. So we've had enough of rain. We had rain on Saturday. We had rain on Monday before before during and after Marcus Freeman's press conference. We had rain Tuesday standing outside uh, the, the practice facility before talking to players. And we have rain today, so the rain has followed us. It has stuck around. Notre Dame moves to number nine in the AP poll this, this week after their victory. They're 3-0 heading into the Central Michigan game. Mike, did, did Notre Dame need a pressure game or somewhat pressure game that they had to play on Saturday down in Raleigh? Did they need that one for the for the, the the continuation of where the season may go? I would think so. Um, it, it certainly seemed the way they afterwards the way they talked about it uh, that they were pleased to have been uh, stressed, as you put it. And um, yeah, I think it's certainly they could puff themselves up and feel like everything was working, but it was too easy through two games, and then uh, the fact that uh, you know, the, the the warts st- finally started to show up was among them. Uh, pass protection that's going to have to be shored up in, entirely before Ohio State gets here. We're just going to we're just going to move right on to the Ohio State thing, and, and most of these <laughs> answers spin it right on to that. That Ohio State's having its own struggles protecting who's going to be Kyle McCord, but they've used McCord and Brown as an offensive line, but the defensive line and the and the, and the front seven certainly can can get to the quarterback, and that's going to be uh, hugely important. Uh, as a home underdog, I suppose that will still maybe narrow a little. It's been seven, Ohio State minus seven for a while in the offseason uh, early line. But um, if Notre Dame wants to do what it has to do to, to win a national championship, it's going to have to keep Sam Hartman's jersey clean. And he was not clean on Saturday. He got sacked in the first series. He fumbled. He gave away a, a, the, the ball. Was not benched. No, it, we, said. we're waiting right. on that. Marcus Freeman said, no players above the program. Audric Estime puts it on the ground. He's on the bench. Sam Hartman puts it on the ground. Guess what? He's back in the football game. But you mentioned the pass protection issues. How much of the pass protection do you th- problem? I wouldn't say problems, but concerns three games in, especially after what they saw against North Carolina State. How much of that is the fact that Billy, or, uh, Billy Schrauf, Pat Coogan, and Rocco Spindler that was their first real test of big-time college football. Like Navy, 
Yeah, you can kind of dominate Navy in in your first start there at the guard positions. Same thing to an extent with Tennessee State, but North Carolina State maybe a different type of athleticism, defensive lineman that both those starting guards had to face really for the first time in their careers. Kind of an adjustment period for them, right? Absolutely, and and of course uh, Zeke Carell. Uh, doesn't have experience on either side of him. He has experience as a as an interior player, both at center and guard. But you know he he had his moments as well of struggle. Um, and of course, the second fumble for Hartman that that was really uh, somewhat on him because it got back to the whole idea of two hands on the ball. He, you know he he's got that idea that the, the Farvian improvisation uh, ability where he wants to be ready to just flick it uh, quickly, flick the football to it. somebody spot somebody here might be something creative. But Mark Freeman, Jared Parker, they want him to uh, be moving around more in the traditional. I think of it as the Stedman Sheely pose, Alabama from the from the uh, from the wishbone seventies. Uh, I don't think they want to run the wishbone, Sam no. Hartman, but they want ball security. I love that, and so that's what. And the ball was not secure. First one was on the offensive line. He had no shot at that. He was actually lifting his arm, trying to get rid of it, and uh, wasn't able to. To move to complete the action, and Pat Coogan was the one who jumped on the ball. He was mm-hmm. he was he was a, a Patty on the spot, and uh, yeah, uh, Joe Alt is not going to be a problem. Blake Fisher is not Joe Alt, but is excellent in his own way. And of course, when you do the the unbalanced line, it's it's almost unfair, and we can talk about that too. But um, I think that blitzing up the middle, uh, or just uh, base pressure up the middle, is is going to have to be uh, tightened up. It's not a pot of gold podcast. Until we talk about Sam Hartman, so guess who we're going to talk about now? What think we did? Well, well, let's talk more. Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, Heisman Trophy contender. So says Lee Corso. Is it still too early for this Heisman Trophy train to start picking up steam, or let's wait until what ha- what happens a week from Saturday at night at Notre Dame Stadium against an opponent like Ohio State to really put Sam Hartman in the in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy because there's just such. There's such a long way to go and so many twists and turns still for this season to say Sam Hartman right now, as we sit here on September 13th, is destined to be one of the Heisman finalists in New York City come December. Too early, right? No, no, it's never too early. It's and too early. you knew the minute, no, the minute he got here, I mean, I certainly wasn't too early for me to be asking these questions. Uh, at the Golic Golf Outing, I asked several. I asked Tim Brown. I, I asked. Uh, uh, several I asked former quarterback Steve Berline. I, I have several people on record talking about the. I asked Marcus Freeman in June. Uh, we were sitting right there when we talked. I mean, I'm sitting on some. It's been curi- It's been a curiosity to me, and it's not a. It, it would. It'd be absurd to think it's. Uh, it was ever too soon. It would. The minute. The minute. Uh, uh, you're sitting there at, in Jacksonville waiting for the bowl game to, uh, or waiting for access to a bowl <laughs> no, game and it, and it breaks. No, no, it, it, he didn't come, come here. He didn't come here to be average. He's not a Heisman contender in December when he he's, hasn't even stepped on campus. Sure he is. You could you could do the projection. Uh, you knew that he was going to come here as well. Just check, just check off the points. He's coming here as the ACC's career passing mm-hmm. leader in touchdowns uh, and yardage. He was coming here or second to, to Rivers and yardage. He was coming here as the active leader by a mile in those passing categories. And what you did have, of course, is a, is a sitting, returning, reigning Heisman candidate or winner in Caleb Williams, but he's not all that likable. And so sometimes there have been career, uh, and you don't have to be a Notre Dame follower to think Caleb Williams is somewhat off-putting. I mean, it, it, it just look at the, the messages he's He's put on those fingernails, and or even the way he comes off in the wind. He's at. He, he's he's a he's 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 not America's sweetheart necessarily. He he doesn't want to be. Sam Hartman is being packaged. You knew the Notre Dame uh, myth making uh, machine is well in place, and of course it's 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 fully activated. And you don't have to work too hard to make Sam Hartman uh, a sympathetic figure. He's overcome a lot. He's well spoken. He's. Um, He's willing to talk about uh, issues in, in terms of mental health, in terms of the tragedies that have affected his family uh, with with, uh, with his older brother uh, by adoption, and um, he's just he's, he's funny and uh, and oh by the way he's very productive. The thing that'll hold him back, and right now I believe he's last I checked he's twenty to one to win the Heisman. He's about the number five or six choice. They're all quarterbacks at the top of the list, even though Marvin Harrison Jr. probably the best player in the country as a wide receiver over at Ohio State. But Caleb Williams still still up there. 
uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington is going to be throwing for 400 yards a game, and and it'll come. You know, it's going to be very hard for Sam Hartman's raw numbers to keep pace with that. But a Notre Dame team that runs the table, and a Sam Hartman with six years of excellent ambassador level service to college football, both at Wake Forest and here, uh, has an excellent chance to be. I'm with Corso on that. I think he'll be. Uh, in New York, and you know, I, I think they only invite four. Right. Yeah, that's the tricky part. But uh, I, I think they'll find a spot for him. Wasn't Stetson Bennett one of the four? I mean, it, it was. was kind of a career achievement award. Of course, he was you know on his way to a second straight national title. But uh, he's in the same um, demographic in, in age. There will be more quarterbacks nationwide that throw for more yards, that score more touchdowns, either rushing or passing. But... I can't agree more. If 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 Notre Dame is eleven and one, and really, if the, absolutely, if they're twelve and zero, regardless of what Sam Hartman's stats are, he's going to New York City in December. I mean, you're you're the quarterback at the University of Notre Dame, and you're eleven and one, or you're twelve and zero, regardless of what your stats say. He's it, it, he's not going to throw that many picks. He's not going to have really great numbers. But again, if you're winning at Notre Dame and you're the quarterback, you're going to New York City. So. You're saying absolutely right now he's he's ticketed for that. I'm going to say let's wait a month and see what the next four five games have in store to to see what happens with Sam Hartman moving forward. So that's our Sam Hartman. Talk. I think he gets their maximum of one one loss, maximum of one loss. Absolutely, absolutely. That second loss almost uh, more crippling to a to a Heisman campaign than you know a three interception game. Mm-hmm. He can probably out outrun that. But it's about the narrative, and it's about the um, absolutely the, the, the achievement. The, the, he's got you know he's got every home game beyond the the uh, the same network. That's all very helpful, and um, uh, and and I just think it uh, you know he's he also has an excellent answer on this. It's not, it's the exact opposite of of the of the yes you know he, he's he's not doing the Johnny Manziel. There's 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 none of that. Um, he's going to share. He's going. He's he he was asked it by. Uh, Levon Whitaker here uh, yesterday, and and he talked about everybody else but himself, and he did utter the word Heisman. That video is up on our site at ndinsider dot com, but and and South Bend Tribune. But um, uh, he he's not he's, he's not going to denigrate it, but he's also not going to beg for it, and he's certainly going to make sure that everybody's along for the ride in his mind, and they should be right down writing right, including uh, the team dietitian. Uh, Alexa Appleman, who who uh, is plug is, for Alexa. It, well, go. she's she uh, she and her staff, uh, Catherine, I think, is the lieutenant. Who uh, you know, we're we're kind of um, in the news in, in terms of uh, uh, hot dogs or brats or or healthy snacks uh, during the hour and forty five minute lightning delay. And I'd like to think that they're still working through that mythology. By the way, here this week. And I think they've settled on everyone but Audric Estime. Now, even the coaches essentially were having those healthy fruit cups or whatever uh, and, and protein shakes because she makes great shakes. Everybody said protein smoothies, I should say. And uh, But Audric Estime had the one hot dog. They're granting him the one hot dog, and then he just ran, you know, ran to the hills. Eat a hot dog, carry the ball 80 yards, and score a touchdown. Right it's that there. simple. It's, it's, that's, that's what happens when you eat a hot dog. We were not able to eat hot dogs in the press box. We got Chick Fil A, stale chicken nuggets, <laughs> and stale pretzel bites for the media, and some some sheet cake that said "Congratulations, Matt." We still don't know who Matt is in the press box at Carter Finley Stadium on Saturday. I wish him well. We do. We can Matt. Congratulations. We don't know who you are. We don't know why they they had a humongous cake there on Saturday. But all the best for you. Speaking of Saturday. Go back to Saturday's game. We talked about what the offense did defensively. What's up with the 10 penalties for 82 yards? That's got to come down, doesn't it? That's sure. Yeah, uh, especially when it was three in a row, uh, three straight snaps. Uh, you know, Notre Dame nearly made it 10 full quarters without allowing an opponent to reach the end zone. I mean, they, they, they really made it through. They got to the final minute 16 of the first half, the uh, discombobulated, disjointed first half, and uh, it really was helpful for NC State to get those three straight penalties. Ben Morrison with unsportsmanlike, a little loss of poise along the sideline. Uh, we don't see that from Ben, but he, there was some barking, as you already mentioned, and he barked back, and he got flagged. 
Uh, he might have uh, he might have made some contact with the with the offending uh, opponent. Then you had a Jordan Botello hands to the face. That won't be the last one this year. <laughs> no. And then you had a Clarence Lewis uh, pass interference. That probably won't be the last one either. So, but they happen on three straight plays, and that's how you you move from you picked up forty total yards without having a successful play. And um, and even then, uh, <laughs> Brendan Armstrong fumbled, fell on his own fumble, but uh, uh, in the in the inside red zone. Um, Really, NC State was sloppy. I mean, but they made up for it with a touchdown pass that came at Ben Morrison's expense. So that was uh, that was not a, a third down uh, fling. So it was you know Ben also dropped an interception uh, early in the game and then came down with one later. So he's at seven for his career. But that was a that was not your typical Morrison game or 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 for that defense, a highly rated defense. That was not um, a good series. A quick uh, midweek injury, injury update from Marcus Freeman. We'll know th- more on Thursday, maybe when he meets the media uh, th- with, via Zoom for his 10, 15 minutes on Thursday. But Eli Rar- tight end Eli Raritan, he'll, he'll still be out on Saturday against Central Michigan, as will defensive lineman Gabe Rubio. Devin Ford, the running back who suffered a concussion against Tennessee State early in the Tennessee State game on a kickoff. He's expected to return. He did travel to Raleigh. He was down on the field wearing his jersey before warm-ups, did not compete on Saturday against North Carolina State. And then here's the main one. J.D. Bertrand was in concussion protocol. There was a picture tweeted out after practice on Tuesday with the position groups because there was a rainbow and a double rainbow over the practice field. J.D. Bertrand was in shorts and a T-shirt on Tuesday. So either he's still in concussion protocol or this is a game where you say, you know what, sit, get yourself healthy, we'll go with Jalen Steed, we'll see you, J.D. Bertrand, for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's what you're looking at. It would be wise to do it that way, um, perhaps even if there hadn't been a concussion. But you factor that in, and, and um, yeah, he needs uh, all the proper time to recover. And, um, yeah, Eli Raritan, it doesn't seem close either. You're right, Um but it's helpful because he's he was also in t-shirt and shorts walking across the street. But uh, as we expected, but um, uh, you know the tight end group, uh, even with the, those are some losses there in Bauman and in Raritan. But uh, uh, Davis Sherwood, there you uh, go, showed up and and uh, even has a touchdown celebration when he'd never scored a touchdown before. Now now he got to break it out and and we'll be writing about that uh, in a uh, to the point as we call it. TTP, uh, baby. Yeah, I think we'll do a little TTP on that. <laughs> Mike Bernardino um, with the TTP all over it. Yeah, uh, the people seem to enjoy the TTP. And uh, David Sherwood, not just an H-back uh, former walk-on, but a, but a red zone target now. An he, option in the red zone, along with Holden yeah. Stays, who caught two touchdown passes. We, so three touchdown passes by the tight end after they were not, I, I don't think they were maybe targeted maybe once in the first game against Navy. Holden Stays did get a touchdown against Tennessee State, so... Third game of the year, both the tight ends, Holden Stays and Davis Sherwood, factor in the game plan. That is putting a bow on North Carolina State. We'll take a break and come back. When we do, we'll talk Central Michigan? No, we will talk Ohio State with Rob Aller from the Columbus Dispatch right here on Pot of Gold. Back on the Pot of Gold for a Wednesday afternoon from the WNDU studios, your home. For Countdown to Kickoff with Mike Berardino, my name is Tom Noy, and we bring in our special guest this week from the Columbus Dispatch to talk all things Central Michigan. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. We're going to talk all things Ohio State with Rob Aller. Rob, what's happening, my man? Hey, guys. Good to be with you. Uh, Fall is in the air. <laughs> and at and, 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 uh, two weeks, we'll see what else is in the air. I don't know, man. It's going to be uh, going to be an interesting game in, in South Bend for the Buckeyes. Okay, Ohio State is two weeks in now with games against Indiana and a Big Ten uh, conference game to open the season. Saturday's game against Youngstown State. They play Western Kentucky this Saturday. Ohio State is two and zero. What's the angst level around Columbus on a scale of one to ten with this football team two weeks in? Let's put it at a seven. At a seven, they're two and zero, oh and it's a seven. And why would it be a seven? Well, you've got a couple things. Uh, the quarterback situation has been resolved, but people still want 
C.J. Stroud slash Justin Fields slash Dwayne Haskins. That's the comparison they're making. And Kyle McCord, who Ryan Day was just named the official, official, official starter, as in uh, the competition's over. He will be starting from this point forward, unless, of course, he doesn't. <laughs> um, I think I think they they're just there's some suspicion that he is not up to the task. I've actually in the last game been been uh, surprised that he was as good as he was. Um, so I think he doesn't. He just needs to be a little better than a game manager. So there's that angst. The offensive line, three uh, inexperienced players. Um, that's creating anxiety, and that's probably Ohio State's biggest issue. And just not scoring points. Ryan Day has been, whether you want to say it, complaining, whining, explaining. He is not happy about the Buckeyes getting fewer plays because of the new clock rule that does not stop the clock after first downs except at the end of two last two minutes of each half. So he has been very... Uh, frustrated by that, more so than I would think he should be. Uh, it's been a little surprising, but this is an offensive guy who loves X's nose, loves explosive plays, and so he feels like if he loses out on five plays, they're going to score on three of them. A little unrealistic there, but that. So that's the situation. There's just a lot of there's a lot of uh, floaters in this soup right now. No, oh, that's that sounds gross. The uh, Rob, the, uh, <laughs> the I'd like to send this back, waiter, waiter. There's there's some problems in my soup. There's some Buckeyes in my soup. Yeah. The uh, uh, do you think? Do you think? Oh yeah, there you go. Okay. Do you think that we'll go with that? This idea that uh, I mean, if 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 it were up to you, would you have handled this uh, McCord Brown uh, situation in in this way? I can't imagine. You would, uh, but um, what, is there even a sense that maybe it would be wise to keep both names on the table so Notre Dame has to uh, prepare for both and will probably still prepare for both? But uh, and, and is there a difference? Uh, are there certain things that, that Devin Brown can do that would be uh, you know, difficult and maybe game-changing uh, on the 23rd? Devin Brown supposedly is the better runner, but what we saw against Youngstown State, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, he's not a, he's not a Justin Fields. He's not a, he's not a great runner, at least at this point. He missed easy throws. I think the issue all along has been a little bit of the intangible, which is he seems to be more of a fiery guy, more of a vocal leader. Cal uh, McCord is pretty much flatline. Um, but much more consistent. I, I think the way this played out, guys, is that uh, the coaching staff wanted Kyle McCord to win it all along, uh, coming out of last year, going into spring ball, and he did not distance himself the way they wanted him to. And that allowed Devin Brown to stay in the competition, actually take the lead early in fall camp, what I'm told, until he started to kind of uh, – screw up some things, throw a couple picks in practice. Now, Ryan Day's big thing is make the routine, make the routine play routinely, and that's what Kyle McCord gets you. I think he's, again, a little better than a game manager. Would I have done it this way? Uh, probably not, but if you are Buckeye Nation, as they call the scarlet and gray here, your biggest concern probably is that neither guy did separate. Um you know, if Brown would have won it, then people could say, well, you know, he must be really good if he beat out the guy that's been here three years. But, A, he didn't win it, and, B, from what I've seen, he's he's not uh, he's not that great. And he really needs to improve in this coming year for them to really have something next season. That's pretty, that's pretty downer from uh, Ohio here, isn't it? I'm, I'm, Splash I'm, of reality. That's okay. I'm Lou Holtz. I'm Lou Holtz. <laughs> no, Ohio State has zero chance of beating Notre Dame. That, was, that would be Lou Holtz's <laughs> his stance. When, when this offense is clicking, whoever the quarterback is, whatever, whatever he's able to do well, 
What's this offense ideally going to look like as far as run pass, a 50-50, 60-40? When they're clicking all, on all cylinders, what can this offense be? Well, they like to say 50-50, but Ryan Day, in his, in his core being, is a pass-first guy. I, I do think he's been indoctrinated into the Big Ten wave. You've got to run the ball. You get bad weather. you got to pound it. You've got to win it. He doesn't talk about it the way Urban Meyer did or even Jim Trestle did. But I think he he, he just enjoys being in that, that windowless coaching room, devising schemes. I mean, he's not like the mad scientist scheme. You know, he's not Mike Leach, rest in peace. But he does enjoy the offense. So I think what you're going to see is um, – more throws to the tight end, even though Cade, uh, Cade didn't catch anything last week. He had like five catches the first week and didn't touch the ball. So they didn't really throw to the tight ends against Youngstown State. But I would expect to see some more of that until McCord really gets more comfortable. Uh, and then, you know, they have Marvin Harrison Jr. who's just phenomenal. They have uh, Amika Ibuka, who's really good. I mean, their receivers are really, really good. And their running backs are supposedly really, really good. I think they're they're good. Um, what we don't know about, and I'm sure you guys will get to the defense, is mm-hmm. the defense looks improved, but it's Indiana, which – doesn't believe in offense, apparently, at least in the first week did not. And Youngstown State, which is Youngstown State. No offense, but, you know. It's Youngstown State. They only State. scored 35 points again. They only scored 35 points. That's that's the – if you want to – going back to your original question, the real angst here is that they've scored, you know, 23 and, and 35 points when people expected 50 and 60 type thing. So, you know, where's this high-powered offense? That's the issue. I'm going to throw a question in here. Producer Jerry is sneaking in. Go ahead. And, okay, I want to think about this offense this year after two losses in a row to Michigan, a team that was very physical with them. Are they trying to work in that run game a little bit more after being dominated in those two matchups, specifically on line play and in the running game? Well, they say they are. What's funny is the big, the big. What happened two years ago is they got manhandled, and they got punched in the mouth and didn't know what to do against Michigan. That was two years ago. So the entire season, off season, it was toughness. It was toughness. They preached toughness. Well, then they got beat again. I would argue it wasn't so much the toughness issue as some faulty coaching. Uh, Jim Knowles, the first-year defensive coordinator last year, took some risks against Michigan, and it blew up in his face. So you don't hear a word about toughness now, which is interesting. I think that, you know, they get on these buzzwords and these these whatever you want to call it, uh, mottos or, or um, each year, and toughness was last year. And this year, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, they're not really talking that way. Um I think Ryan Day is a little concerned. Just the body language, having been around him, and he seems a little more, I don't want to say guarded, but I think deep, deep down he knows he doesn't have the Heisman candidate quarterback, you know, and top three or four round NFL draft pick. I mean, our first round, because Haskins, C.J. Stroud, and Justin Fields were all first round draft picks. At this moment, I don't see Kyle McCord being that. Ryan Day is a former quarterback. I think deep down again, he knows I've got a I've got a good quarterback, but I'm not sure I've got a guy that either can beat Notre Dame or beat Georgia in a in a playoff game or beat Michigan. Um, we'll see. Does it add any angst? I'm going to ask my one more question. Usually I usually don't do this. This is scary territory for all of us involved. But does it add any angst that Quinn Ewers at Texas right now <laughs> is doing really well and just beat a team that Ohio State has struggled to beat and considers a rival in some sense in Alabama? I don't think there's – I've been joking that you know Ohio State fans love to claim Joe Burrow as their own. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like he's in the list of QBU that they're trying to create. And uh, to cut 
the fans a little bit of slack. Joe Burrow himself considers himself, quote, a Buckeye. I like to say Joe Burrow played for the Buckeyes, but he's not. You can't claim him. So the big joke here is when is a, when is a Ohio State, you know, the fandom, when are the faithful going to start trying to claim Quinn Ewers as their own if he goes on and wins the Heisman or whatever? I don't think there's a lot of angst. You know, he took the money and ran, essentially. I think he got, depending on reports, one to $1.4 million, uh, in NIL money to leave Texas, come up here, uh, didn't play. Claims he got homesick, and he looks good. I mean, he looks he looks fantastic. But I don't think there's a lot of uh, a woe is woe is us, woe is me that he's gone. Now, if he continues to skyrocket, and Kyle McCord kind of fizzles, you'll you'll that finger will get pointed at Ryan Day and the program. And you let him get away. That's just how it works. But to answer your question, no, not. I think there's bigger issues right now to contend with. Um, again, offensive line being number one than Quinn Ewers. Speaking with uh, Rob Aller, the columnist at the Columbus Dispatch, um, and um, our source this week for uh, a little early look at Ohio State Notre Dame because that's going to that's going to set the tone for the, everything else to come Notre Dame wise Ohio State wise nationally so let's go right to Rob we said you can find Rob on uh Twitter I still call it Twitter at uh, R O L L E R C D roller and uh, we just celebrated the anniversary of the Holy Roller recently maybe that's how I, I said let's let's uh, with the the Oakland play um here's a this idea that Jim Knowles um you know it, well, well documented the, from the Oklahoma State days, and of course Notre Dame has one of his former pieces doing very well. And, and Thomas Harper, Notre Dame also has Javante Jean Baptiste, formerly a, a career long Buckeye, uh, kind of underutilized, been great here so far, and and utilized quite a bit. He's out there. I think it was fifty six snaps the other day. Uh, do you put any stock in the idea that um, Jim Knowles is a mysterious coordinator? Uh, you know, uh, back there in the in in his in his lab. Uh, but the more you know, and the more inside information you have about how he operates, uh, and the fact that Notre Dame will be seeing it for a second time in as many seasons, uh, how does that impact, if at all, what we see on the night of the twenty third? Well, he's a very cerebral guy. You know, was it Duke? He's a he's a Cornell grad, I believe. Uh, Thing about Ryan Day, he likes very intelligent coaches. If you go down through it, now they don't always act like it. <laughs> they've had some. They've had some issues, but they're pretty. They're pretty cerebral. So, and maybe too cerebral. Again, going back to that Michigan game, I think that Jim Knowles uh, outthought. Is it outthought? Outthink? Outthunk himself? It's not outthunk, uh, but. It's definitely not out front. Got a little too cute. Goes. Got a little too cute. Got a little too cute. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. turning that into English. Um, and I think he's been, my guess is he's been given the, let's stay away from the too cute stuff. <laughs> and they have looked through two games, again, consider the, the opponents. They look really good. Now, they do lack. Uh, if you're Ohio State, the defense doesn't concern you with one exception. I'm not sure it's a deep concern. Is that they just don't have and haven't had now for a couple seasons that elite uh, edge rusher, the Bosa, the Chase Young. They they don't have that guy. And we'll find out this week against Western Kentucky, which throws it all over the yard. I think they were number. I think they attempted more passes than all but one uh, team last year. We'll see if they can get to the quarterback um, this Saturday if Ohio State can. But Jim Knowles, uh, I have said my concern, you know, maybe this is old school thinking, my concern from day one with Jim Knowles and in, and in some ways with Ryan Day, I mean, it's hard to argue the results other than the Michigan game. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're an elite top five program. But, you know, are they a little bit of a Big 12 team? Is that starting to become their DNA blueprint, which is 
pass, 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 run the ball some, and then your defense is is sort of a bend, don't break, or I don't know. Uh, that, that's been sort of my gut, but that may just be because of where he came from, coming over from Oklahoma State. He was sort of maybe I pegged him as somebody that was not sort of the Big Ten Midwest, you know, silver bullets, uh, beat you up type defense. Um, I think this year they were improved last year, top 10 defense um, regular season. So I can't knock him too hard. I, what's what's uh, what's he going to present? What's what's ND going to present uh, that this defense has to be worried about? Is is Hartman, Sam Hartman, is he the real deal? Seems like it. But For Mike Berardino, he is. He's a Heisman finalist already. He's going to New York City. As long as, long as they take care of business uh, and, and get through the regular the gauntlet with a maximum of one loss. So that's the qualifier. But uh, yet to throw an interception, he's the uh, FBS active leader in interceptions, but he's sitting on 41. Um, fumbled twice uh, uh, the other day uh, under pressure. They have not protected him as well as they need to, um, as we would have expected, You know, sometimes even keeping an extra... Man, in that hasn't happened. They've they've gone five wide a few mm-hmm. times, and Sam Hartman has been under pressure. He's poised, uh, makes great decisions, all the things you'd expect from a forty-eight-year-old man. And uh, what the, what jumps out at me is I know it's early, just three data points for Notre Dame and two for Ohio State. But um, in, in Pro Football Focus, they break down the efficiency in all categories and uh, every single play, and, and watching it, you know, very closely and uh, getting a little too cute, probably. And uh, Notre Dame, at this point, is tied for 17th in the country in pass efficiency, and Ohio State is 102nd. You know, so you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have expected that sort of disparity. What's the, what do they have to expect? There's weapons, Rob. There, there apparently are, there's a lot of weapons in the backfield, um, at tight end even, and certainly at wide receiver. Um, it doesn't have to be the same guy. It's not like you shut down this guy, even Audric Estime, even you don't, you cannot say you just shut down this guy. Notre Dame will be stuck in the mud. Uh, they uh, they they do have uh, a variety of weapons that uh, Jim Knowles is going to have to account for, and and they have someone who can get them the ball in a way that Buckner could not regularly had his moments, but uh, not regularly uh, at the uh, in, in the night game to start twenty twenty two. Tom, what do you think, uh, Rob? How would you answer that question? They don't have a guy like Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr., but they have a lot of guys. Like it's been, it's been this guy for Navy. It's been that guy for Tennessee State. It's been uh, other guys for ten for for North Carolina State. But when you have a quarterback like Sam Hartman, who's been around and seen basically everything there is to see, it's going to take a lot to rattle him in the environment that's going to be there on a week from Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. So it's just something where and and in speaking of that game, like the quietly maybe maybe not so much this year as as opposed to last year when it was the opener and it was Marcus Freeman's first game and he's going back to uh, Ohio Stadium for the first time. There was so much attention placed on the Ohio State game and to an extent it's starting to build, even though you still have Central Michigan on Saturday. I'm curious, from an Ohio State standpoint, this is this is the game that Notre, Notre Dame will point to and probably has pointed to since the season started or even preseason started. When you're Ohio State and you also have Penn State and obviously you have the, the, the big game at the end of the year and you have the Big Ten Conference Championship game, how does the Notre Dame game factor into how Ohio State views its schedule? That's a great question. Um, it was everything last year. Notre Dame game was everything? Well, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was huge. The Michigan thing was there, but I think because of the back-to-back losses to Michigan, that all eyes are on that. It's like Mordor. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, you can't take your eyes off of, of, of Michigan right now. And I think there's so much, there's so much angst there. I mean, people want to run Ryan Day out of town already. There's a hardcore, you know, Herbie uh, Kirk Herbstreet, mm-hmm. you know, calls them the 15 percenters, the the lunatic fringe. He went on, you know, talked about the the Ohio State fan base. Uh, I think there's been a lot of talk of. Ohio State gets three exhibition slash preseason games before going to South Bend. 
so there there hasn't been a lot of anticipation, and partly I think because it's been a little clunky. The first two games have been a little clunky, so there might be a little bit of swallow hard thinking about this game. I mean, I think I'm sure some people think, and maybe it's a growing number, that uh, that, that they're going to get uh, they're going to get uh, whacked uh, in South Bend. I don't see that happening uh, necessarily, but. There's, there's definite concern. Um, I think the thing that works against Notre Dame a little bit is that this Western Kentucky game for Ohio State, because, again, Indiana and Youngstown State both buttoned it up, milked the clock, didn't try to do anything. So if you're Ohio State's defense, you don't know how, how you can play against uh, teams that throw the ball or even attempt to. And so they're going to get a, a full dose of that this Saturday. And that will prepare them a little bit for what they're going to see uh, in Indiana, um, northern Indiana here in, in a couple of weeks. But I think that the Michigan angst is so strong. And then what you see Penn State doing with putting 63 points up, I think, on Delaware, I think there's just it's a little more diluted. There's no, no, no question this game has been – the Notre Dame game has been under the radar. Now it'll ramp up at you know next week, but um, I think that, and even from a coaching standpoint, you know they give you the whole cliche one game at a time. But I think they got their hands full trying to figure things out um, offensively right now before they really start to worry too much about what's going to happen against the Irish. You also have the. Odd subplot of uh, outgoing athletic directors, retiring <laughs> athletic directors with uh, Gene Smith, uh, who was part of two national championships at Notre Dame in the 70s as a player and an assistant. Um, and, of course, Jack Swarbrick uh, in, in turning the keys over slowly to uh, NBC former president uh, Pete Bavacqua. This is their last chance to uh, do battle. So maybe they should be down there for the coin flip or something. But uh, massive, towering figures in the uh, modern uh, system of college sports and, and certainly um, no 12-team playoff with the, without their input uh, coming down the road. But, of course, we can. That's, that's an issue for another day, whether everything that's happened in college sports has been uh, healthy or not uh, for the collective uh, group. But uh, uh, that's, that's part of it, too. James Laurinaitis, we didn't mention him. That's another subplot. Um, you know, that's the world's most overqualified graduate assistant. Uh, sitting there after a year with Marcus Freeman, his old roommate. Uh, now he's on the staff at uh, Ohio State, back where he was a legend and remains one, and uh, certainly will be helpful in the game planning. So, um, Rob Allard, thank you so much for joining us, uh, getting us uh, in Ohio State-Notre Dame mode uh, a week early, and uh, it's never too early for that. So I'll let you get back to your uh, planning and prepping for, uh, for how you might uh, columnize for next week. We look forward to reading your stuff uh, at uh, dispatch.com. We, we, can't, we can't let Rob go before in, unless he makes a prediction. He's got to make a prediction, No, right? uh, no, no, no that's where I think it's too early. It's too early. We're not in the – I'm not making a game prediction myself. I, Rob, only if you're comfortable. I, I won't, I won't make it. I won't make a productive prediction. I will tell you this: that I had, Ohio, I have Ohio State losing two regular season games. So you can figure out, you know, between mm-hmm. Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and maybe Wisconsin, I've got them losing two of those. So I'll let you guys do the math and try to figure that out. And uh, how does that sit with that. the fan base when you pick them to go ten and two? Uh. Yeah, the, the deal with it. <laughs> no, I think they're okay. They they kind of know they know where I where I fall on this stuff. Um, I picked them to win it all last year, so I got a little cushion there. And I came and I came a missed field goal. I will say from from being correct. I think they I think they wiped the floor with TCU. Right. Maybe not like Georgia did, but I think they win it. And uh, uh, question for you guys: Has Marcus learned anything about? Uh, Public speaking when it comes to his alma mater is he? Yes. Where, where, is, where is he? Where <laughs> he, is he on that? He 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 has gone to public speaking one hundred and one here 
on the right things to say and the things not to say and the things to stay away from after the last year's uh, little little situation when it came to Ohio State. So he's he, he's better with that. I don't think he's even talked about Ohio State yet this year. He talked about you. Ryan Day uh, with us uh, back in June when we had our annual uh, sit down in the, in the office uh, anteroom, and uh, he brought it up on his own. I mean, I'm, basically, what you just said, he didn't mention you, Rob. He didn't say he yes, didn't he say did. if that, that field goal. He said he didn't say if that field goal happens, then Rob Oller looks like a genius. He didn't say that, but he should have. He should have because it's true. Uh, but he was he was uh, he was, you know we were there to talk about Notre Dame, and he wanted to talk about Ohio State. These guys, you know, Justin Scott is still in in recruitment. He was wearing Georgia gloves the other day. You know, they, they, these. Five star guys are going to be, uh, you know, uh, in the balance for these two programs. They will butt heads well after they're done with this game because they're they're shopping in the very top aisles of talent, and they should be. Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for your time. Go figure out that angst for the Ohio State offense. We'll see you up here in about ten days. All right. Thanks. Thank guys. you. Thank you, Rob. We are. Good. Awesome. Thank you, guys. He, you know, he jumped off. He and he's gone. Hey. Yeah, we kept him a while. How long was that? Back finishing up this episode of Pot of Gold from the WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. Countdown to Kickoff coming up this weekend in advance of Saturday's home game for number 9 Notre Dame 3-0 against 1-1 Central Michigan. Just a reminder, Notre Dame fans, this game will not be seen on NBC. Please do not call us about it. Do not call the studio. Do not call the television station. Do not call the South Bend Tribune, which you have been uh, apt to do in situations like this. I can't find the game. Where's the Notre Dame game? It will be on Peacock. That is a streaming service. You need to sign up for said streaming service if you want to see Notre Dame in Central Michigan. Notre Dame has played a couple of games on Peacock only. They usually play one game a year. This is the game that will be on Peacock, so no NBC this week. Kickoff is an hour earlier than what the Tennessee State game was. That game started at 3.30. Saturday's game will start at 2.30 Eastern time on Peacock. Central Michigan, Mike, I know you've, you've, you've dived into the numbers. You've got stats. You've got storylines. Very quickly, what do you know about the Central Michigan Chippewas heading into Saturday? <laughs> that. This is uh, Lindy's. I see Joe Alt. I see a picture of Joe Alt. But the beauty of this book is because uh, I did pay uh, eleven ninety nine for this. You can believe the annuals have gone up to eleven ninety nine, <laughs> and uh, you know we've all written for the annuals at some point. But I, I just you know the Chippewas got the one page that starts with that, and then mm-hmm. just a couple of quick things. You know this is the most. Any of these are going to be written with great dollops of optimism. And this was going, you know, this was probably turned in in May. But, yeah, right. You know, because uh, that's a, a crazy early deadlines. But this is the lead quote on the page about the Central Michigan Chippewas um, from uh, Coach Jim McElwain. Uh, and I always want to call him Jim Bob McElwain. Was he Jim Bob McElwain at some point, or am I mixing him up with Jim Bob Cooter? You're absolutely mi- mixing him up sure? with Jim Bob Cooter. He was never Jim Bob McElwain? <laughs> Doesn't me, it feel let's like Google, he let's be, Google Jim Bob doesn't McElwain. Doesn't it feel like he should be Jim Bob McElwain? Jerry will be on the Central Michigan uh, Zoom call later on. Yeah, do you want me today? to ask you if Jim, Mac- yes, if Jim Bob that. McElwain? Yeah. That's the question I get that's to ask? That's how I like to. I, uh, that's how I process it. Anyway, his quote in here was, it wasn't good for our fans, it was horrible for our university, and it was embarrassing for our program, and yet sometimes you need a reset. Coach Jim McElwain, Jim Bob McElwain, on the disappointing 2022 campaign. <laughs> okay. That's how they take us into this year. And, um, you know, uh, I don't want to belabor uh, too much, but uh, little things like... Uh, uh, producing more turnovers was a point of emphasis in spring practices. All right. And then Coach Jim Bob McElwain said, I really felt from a defensive standpoint our swarm was much better. So, you know, not to uh, diminish the challenge of a 34-point underdog coming in here because uh, Marshall, what, was 21-point underdog, but um, they had that thing on the move. Central Michigan was picked fourth in the MAC going into the year. Hasn't done anything to make that look like it was off base. If anything, that was too optimistic. And it'll be interesting to see. Looking forward to seeing Bert Emanuel Jr. This was uh, 
someone uh, who would have been a teammate of Andre Risen. Andre Risen's house was burned down. I don't know. I just uh, I'm, I'm thinking about Falcon stuff. Dirt. He was was Bird Emanuel part of the Dirty Birds? Was he, he a might Dirty have been, Bird? Yes. Yeah. So there, you know, there's that. Bert but Emanuel didn't Jr. burn down Andre Risen's house. No, that was Lisa Left Eye Lopes. <laughs> Why do I know that? Why does that stay with me? I don't know. You've got Lisa, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. You've got Jim Bob Cooter. I don't know what's going on over there. Jim today. Bob Jim Bob Cooter with the. Um, hmm. He's down there with the Panthers now. Yeah, I was kind of hoping he would get a shot up here because I, I just want to be able to say, what's the availability going to be for Coach Cooter? But uh, we couldn't. We weren't able to do that. He's an excellent mind, uh, offensive mind, and an offensive name. But uh, I would say that uh, that's pretty much what I gleaned from this. I had my highlighter out. There was nothing a whole lot that even rose to the level of highlighting on the flight. We were on the same flight. Tom was in first class. Which there, it was, it's normal seats. It's just so Tom could say we got upgraded. There was no, I didn't, he promised that he would send them to the back, to the coach uh, steerage area with the uh, hot towels. I never got one, so I, I had extra time, no hot towel, nothing really interesting about Central Michigan other than Brian Kelly's coach there. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, it was disturbing. I briefly, I, I like recoiled when I saw that the stadium, you know, the name of the stadium the Chippewas play in? Brian Kelly Stadium. Well, it's Kelly slash Shorts Stadium. It's a capacity of 30,000, which is not too much smaller than Sam Hartman's old home in Wake Forest, frankly. But um, it's not named after Brian Kelly. It's named after some guy who's like, you know, Wallace Bill Kelly from the age-old days of the 50s and 60s. It's not Brian Kelly because I initially thought, wow, that's pretty pretty going to be weird. They're only on the schedule because Brian Kelly was here, and he True. was in that – that tour of, you know, that's why Cincinnati was allowed to come in here and, and, and defeat That's Notre where you Dame. get the famous, um, I wanted to give him a chance to play Notre Dame quote. Um, sure. And before the Cincinnati game, which helps the Bearcats make the playoffs for the first time ever mm-hmm. as a group of five teams. So just just remember that. That's yeah. just way too much Central Michigan talk. Central Michigan's one-on-one. They lost to Michigan State. They beat New Hampshire last week, 45-42 on a last-second field goal. They also allowed New Hampshire to roll up. 538 yards offensively. So who knows what Sam Hartman's going to do. I say this is what he's going to do. He's going to play a half and then shut it down like he did against Tennessee State. The second half will be Steve Angeli and the second and third teamers in preparation for a pretty big game a week from Saturday against said Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's get out of here before we do. I'm going to say he gets two more series in the third quarter Mm -hmm. and finishes both with touchdown passes because it's time to start uh, padding the stats a little bit if we if you're going to get Sam Hartman to uh, the downtown athletic club. Comes all the way back to New York City. Give us a prediction, Central Michigan, Notre Dame, Saturday, Mike Berardino. I think I'm on the record with Chuck Freeby. I'm saying 48-10. 10 a couple of blips in the first half on defense, especially one that's not going to have J.D. Bertrand out there um, to solve the problems on the grass. But Jack Kaiser's out there, and, and they'll get it fixed and – and uh, a couple more field goals from the the missile launcher uh, Spencer Schrader and forty eight ten feels about right. Not going to overdo it with Ohio State right around the corner. I am on the record as saying this game is on Peacock for a reason. For the people who find it, they'll be able to see it. It will be Notre Dame fifty five, Central Michigan six. Irish moved to four and zero ahead of Ohio State. We'll be back a week from today, next week to talk all about Central Michigan. Not really and a little bit of Ohio State. For Mike Berardino, my name is Tom Noy. This has been the Pot of Gold podcast from WNDU Studios, your home for countdown to kickoff. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff.